Good morning, friends. Good to see you. Good morning to all of you online watching from whatever state or country you uh, are in. We're glad that you're here with us. And uh, man, God's given us the time to be together. You know, a lot of you may know that uh, uh, our family took a little vacation time around Christmas. We went back to our uh, home state of California and just spent some time with family and friends. And, and uh, just to be transparent, every time we do that, it always reminds us and stirs up some of the feelings of what uh, we went through when we moved about six years ago. And uh, just the fears and the emotion of, of moving. A lot of, some of you have moved. You, you know what that feels like uh, from one place to another. And uh, of course, a lot of those fears that we felt were very real. A lot of those thoughts that we had were very real. It's like, man, what if, uh, you know, what, what if the church doesn't like us and they kick us out? Um, what if we can't handle the long winters? Which, by the way, I've been digging the mild winters the last couple of years. So it happens when Californians move into Ohio. Um, but, uh, you know, what if, what if uh, the kids have a hard time especially with grandkids, being, you know, being that far away from, from family and friends. And, and all of those things were, were swirling around. We, we took a risk by, by moving here. Our, our staff has several members that have done that same risk. And, and um, man, it's, it's a risk to move, feeling like you're just trying to obey God. But once you take that risk, you discover amazing things that God has waiting for you on the other side. And uh, man, this, this church body, for example, just the, the generous and encouraging uh, church family that now I get to be part of, which is so cool. Uh, just seeing new sites and experiences in the area and seeing what God's doing in Northeast Ohio and getting to partner with that and hearing some of your stories and just what God's been doing in people's lives. What a joy uh, to be part of that. And, and uh, knowing that now, it's so worth those types of things. And, and I think whenever we take a risk. And whenever we move, and sometimes moving means staying put to do, uh, cultivate faithfulness where you're at. Whenever we do that, we sense uh, the, the Lord's good pleasure over our life. And we sense the, the, the joy of just doing what God's called you to do, the joy of being obedient and God's good favor and pleasure in your life. And so uh, being a risk taker for the Lord means moving. It means moving. It means uh, for some, maybe a relocation, but for all of us, it means moving forward in faith, where you feel like God is leading you, even, and here's the big part, even if it's not fully clear. Let me just say that again. Be, being a risk taker for the Lord means moving. It means me, moving forward in faith to what God is, is calling you to, leading you to, even if it's not fully clear. And some of you are going to need to move today. You're going to need to move from darkness to light. You're going to need to move from death to life. You're going to need to move from apathy to compassion. Maybe you need to move from passivity to, to kingdom activity for the Lord. Some of you might need to move from slavery to freedom or from blaming and excusing to, to more of taking responsibility and having a confessing and repentant heart. Some of you might need to move from compromise to conviction or from fear to faith. But whenever we take risks for the Lord, it means we have to move. We move forward in obedience, in belief, and in trust of your Lord and Savior. And when you move, and when you take that risk, it's rewarding. It's rewarding. You, you experience the joy of, of God's good pleasure in your life on the other end of that, and the joy of knowing that the Lord is using you. So how has God been calling you to move lately? How is God maybe even calling you to move today? Now, it helps to see how some of our spiritual forerunners, uh, the people that had gone before us in Scripture, were challenged by God to move, to take risks for the Lord, how they moved in faith to wherever God was leading them or to do what God wanted them to do right where they were at. And uh, to see their story 
And consider how it can influence our story and how it plays into his story. It is so good for us. And so today we're going to take a look at the biblical risk taker known as Abraham. Uh, A lot of you know that his name was Abram at first, but it's Abraham. Now, other than Jesus, Abraham is considered uh, the most significant and most mentioned person in Scripture. I mean, he's a significant figure even in our history. All three of our monotheistic primary religions, uh, you know, lay claim to Abraham as their originator with the, the Christian faith, the Hebrew faith, and the Islamic faith, all tied to Abraham. Now, the aspect of Abraham's life that we want to focus on today is that he moved, right? And in his case, it was a physical move, but he moved forward in faith and obedience in the Lord without fully knowing what it was going to look like where it was fully going to take him. And so in Hebrews 11, 8, it says this, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place he was going to receive as an inheritance. We look at it and go, yeah, that sounds great. And then it says, and he went out not knowing where he was going. And some of us are going, that's crazy. Like, God calls you to go somewhere. I mean, can you imagine if a van pulled up right now and said, hey, come, in, come with me, we're just going to take you. You have no idea where we're going. We're like, no. And God called him without the clarity of knowing exactly where he was going. And I think this is encouraging for us. I think we can relate to Abraham here because oftentimes what we do is we like to wait from extra crystal clear direction, right? We, we like everything to be lined up and nice and clean and tidy and neat, and, and then we're ready to go. Uh, for us, it's funny because we drive our cars, and when you go from destination A to destination B, you'll go through multiple intersections, and you just take one green light at a time. But when it comes to like, you know, wanting to work for the Lord, we want like all the intersections to all turn green at once. And then we go, see, that's God. That's God right there. And in reality, it doesn't usually work like that. A lot of times God says, no, we're going to take it one intersection at a time. One green light at a time. You're going to take one risk at a time. And this is where we really look back at what uh, we saw last week when Pastor Josh talked about Noah. We look at Noah and we look at Abraham and these guys and go, man, they, they had this one big monumental act of faith that made them like, you know, in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. We go, no, that act of faith was the byproduct of thousands of footsteps, little days of taking risks, little steps of faith along the way. And then God obviously used them in such a major way, a major example. And so Abraham's a good example for us of risky faith, of risky obedience. And, and, and don't, don't get us wrong here. Abraham was flawed. He was human. In fact, he, he made some pretty bonehead decisions, but God still used him. And so he's a great example for us. So let's turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 11. And uh, we're going to go to the end of Genesis chapter 11. And first, we're just going to kind of frame it in. Who are some of the key players? Who are some of the key people, key situations that we're going to see that frame in the life of Abraham? For some of you, this is a review. Uh, for some of you, this might be the, really the first time you're getting a glimpse at this man named Abraham. And so we're in Genesis 11, and let's look at verses 27 through 32. Genesis 11, 27 through 32. It says, now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abraham, okay? So Terah's uh, Abraham's dad. So Terah fathered Abraham. Nahor and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of, land of his kindred, in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, 
and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Let's pray. Father, thank you for capturing history. And God, we know it's not uh, exhaustive. We know it's not 100% complete that you laid before us, but Lord, you gave us enough. You gave us enough to know the big things, the necessary things. And so Lord, as we together as a community, uh, both online and here in person, look at this passage, God, I pray that you take this time and you allow us to not only uh, understand what you did in calling Abraham, but Lord, help us understand how you call us. God, let us take principles and, and apply them to our life. Lord, we know that you had specific divine purposes for Abraham that, that, that don't apply to us. But Lord, there are principles of how you moved in his life that do apply to us. So let us capture those. And Lord, more importantly, let us act upon those in faith. And we ask this in Jesus' name. We all said together. Amen. Let's just touch base again on these verses and some of, the, some of what was framed in. Some of the key pa- people we see. Terah. Terah is Abraham's dad. And we see Abraham introduced first as Abram. Abram is his original name and basically means high or exalted father. But in Genesis 17, his name is changed by God to Abraham, which means father of multitudes or father of nations, because God promises him this massive inheritance and offspring. And so his name is changed. In the same way, we see we're introduced to Sarai here, his wife. And Sarai, uh, which means, you know, princess, is then converted into Sarah later, which means mother of multitude, mother of nations. And so we see God even change their names to fit the promises he's given their life. We also see here the Sarah's barren. This is an infertile couple. They, they don't have children, and they don't see any children coming in the future. And they're all living in this place called Ur, right? But God's calling them to this land that they would later know as Canaan. And so they moved to Ur. Along the way, they stopped at a place called Haran. Don't confuse Haran the person with Haran the place. Uh, Haran the place. And there, Terah, Abraham's dad, dies. That frames it in. Now, let's read in Genesis 12, the first few verses, now to color it in. All right, we framed it in. Now let's color it in. This is a, a second time that the Lord comes to Abraham and, and, and really is calling him. We see in Genesis 12:1. Now, The Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and lot with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah, uh, Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the people that had acquired, they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At the time, the Canaanites were in the land. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. These are powerful and historic verses. God was asking Abraham to take a huge risk. Now, Abraham again had a specific divine call in his life. And so it's not apples to apples when we look at Abraham's life and our life, but we look for the principles that can apply. Now, we see here that God was moving Abraham from here to there. That's what he's doing. He was taking him here, his Ur, to there, which was Canaan. 
That was the game plan. Now, let's look at that in Genesis 12.1. Go from your country. Let's look at Abraham's here, all right? Let's go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Well, let's look at that. What, what country is he talking about? Now, Ur is an interesting place. It's, it's modern-day Iraq. They've excavated this place. It was a massive society. They still have uh, the remnants of an old uh, ziggurat that was there that was huge. And uh, its excavations revealed that the city was sophisticated. They had a good uh, government um, and infrastructure. They had a large trade center because they were close to the Persian Gulf, as we know it, the, the Euphrates River. It was just this plush area. It was prosperous. It, was, um, it was, uh, had a huge trade center, and it was next to a port, lots of food. It was kind of like one of those ideal places to live. So for Abraham to stay in Ur wasn't like he was banished to the desert. It, was, it would have been a very cush life. So what Abraham was experiencing in Ur was security, familiarity, comfort, prosperity, all the things that the American dream say what? To pursue. So he's living the American dream except it's the Ur dream, all right? It's the Ur dream. So he's, he's got it. He's got everything he needs. He's got comfort, familiarity, security, all those things. Now, he also says to Abraham, leave it. I want you to leave this country. And he says, your kindred, I want you to leave your kindred and your father's house. Like, this seems kind of harsh at first, but we see what he's up to here. What he's up to, he's basically saying, I want you to leave your culture. I want you to leave your, your friends. I want you to leave the name and identity that you've established here. I want to leave everything that you uh, are attached to that's making you secure and you have identity tied to here. I want you to separate that from yourself so that you will be secure and devoted to me. And so he's trying to remove him to rephrase his identity. He wants him to be, uh, have his identity in Christ or in, in, in God, not through the people around him. And one of the reasons we see this as being so significant, and this is where, again, we can really relate and be grateful when we look at the life of Abraham, is that Abraham's dad and, and his other family members, and likely even Abraham himself, were not followers of the one true God. Originally, they were caught up in the God of that culture, which was the Sumerian moon god, ironically, by the name of Sin, all right? And so it's so funny because we look at the Bible and we look at guys like Noah and Job and all these people we've been looking at and go, it says that they were blameless men and they were righteous men. And it's very likely that when God got a hold of Abraham, he was worshiping a moon god. He wasn't even listening to the voice of the one true God yet. And so before God moved Abraham, he was going to have to move in Abraham. So he can start to recognize his voice and, and, and have a personal interaction with, with the Lord, the one true God. And so he's saying, I want you to leave all this stuff that's familiar and that you're tied to. I'm going to take you to a different place. You're going to establish a different identity. Some of you are thinking, how do you know that this whole like, false God stuff is true? If you see in Joshua 24.2, Joshua said to the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, and they served other what? Gods. They served other gods. So we know that that's... So God's call to depart from Ur was a departure from the culture and to be dedicated to serve him. Another part of, of Abraham's here was the infertility. Here, here, here God's saying, I, I have this promise for you. I'm going to do this in your life, but there's no kids on the horizon for these guys. And so part of his here is this plush, secure, established life. It's also some infertility, a challenge in his life. And so uh, to leave all that... 
It's a tall order, but God calls him to it. That's Abraham's here. I want you to think about our here. What is our here like? How can you relate to Abraham's here? Uh, who or what are you serving more than Christ? Some of us are serving sin. It's not the moon God, but it's different. Maybe it's our jobs. Maybe it's our own personal pleasures and pursuits. What is something that we're serving or worshiping more than the Lord? What relationships are we in that are not glorifying to God, but we're not courageous enough to submit them to the Lord? What comfort or security or familiarity has prevented you from taking more risks for the cause of Christ? What situation? Abraham had infertility. You might have a different challenge. What situation seems so difficult to God to work in your life that you've given up? What sin are you trapped in or entangled in that you feel unable or even worse, you're unwilling to be free from? What is it that would identify your here? We all have a here. And the flesh and the world encourage us to make here our home. But God has called us to a there. God's called us to a there that is better. And so we understand that Abraham had a here and we have a here. But, but God called Abraham from here to there. What's the there look like? So we look at these promises that God's given Abraham. God said that he was going to take Abraham to the land I will show you. Like, does that just mess with anybody else? Because that's the rub, right? That's the rub. Where is this land? How far is this land? Uh, what's this land look like? Uh, is it going to be worth the trip? And so God was moving Abraham to what would be known later uh, to them as Canaan. And uh, it's known also as the promised land. And it's nicknamed that because it was the land promised to Abraham and his ancestors. And so this is modern-day Israel and all the surrounding territories. And this is one of the most fought-over strips of land in uh, past and present uh, times. It's unique. When you look at the beauty of this land, the land of Canaan, it's, it's a gorgeous land. It's, it's bordered by the Mediterranean Sea on one side. You've got these incredible mountains all the way up to 10,000 feet tall. You've got, you've got Lebanon. You've got uh, Mount Hermon. You, you've got this lush valley that produces incredible vegetation and fruit. You've, you've got the, the Jordan River that runs through it. You've got the, the unique seas. You've got the Sea of Galilee in there, the fresh water that comes, the life-sustaining Galilee all the way down to the Dead Sea, which is such a phenomenon. You've got the, the arid dry hills. You've got Pat. This is such a unique and amazing land that Abraham had no idea even existed. He was busy thinking about Ur, but God was calling him from Ur to something that was even better. He was calling him to Canaan. Not only that, the there wasn't just the land, but also he was talking about this nation. He was going to give him an inheritance, not that it was just the land, but also a nation. In verse 2 it says, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Abraham was going to become a daddy. He was going to become a father. He had no idea how many offspring and, and, and ancestors he would have. And so God multiplied his offspring. And not only that, not only did he bless them with, with basically being the father of the Hebrew nation and, and, and other nations as well, um, he blessed them with the, the lineage of the Messiah. It says here is that the, the whole, all the peoples of the earth would be blessed through him. Why? Because out of his lineage would come Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And so he, he, was, he was doing this incredible work of what he was going to provide through the life of Abraham in this there. He was basically saying, Abraham, you be faithful. You take risks, you trust me, and I'll make you fruitful, and I'll use you. That's just a glimpse, a little bit of, of the there that God had for Abraham. What's, what's our there? What is the there for us? What is that 
thing that God has for you, the work that God has for you, some place, some joy, some conversation, some relationship, some kingdom work that he has for you. This this is what God's calling us to. Um, God wants you to move from here to there. And we know that we have a there in heaven. We know that for those who are uh, believers in Christ that have, have placed their faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, are trusting in the death and resurrection of Jesus, our, our ultimate there is heaven. But we have a lot of little there's along the way. We have our own Canaan's that God has for us. Like, there are people to be reached that only you can reach. There, there are certain tasks and jobs for the kingdom of God that God wants you to do. There are certain conversations only you will have. There are certain works of God only you will contribute to. Like, we each have our own unique call, yet together collectively are following the call. So we have a there. So the problem is God's calling us from here to there. Here's the problem. Heron. Heron is the problem. When you look at um, Genesis 12, 4, it says here, So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from where? Heron. But where was the first call from? Ur. What is he doing in Heron? Well, you go back to, again, what we saw in Genesis 11. It says, Terah took Abram his son and Lot, the son of Haran, the person, his grandson, and Sarai's daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they what? Settled there. Please say settled again. Settled. That's our problem. You guys get it? That's our problem. See, God had called Abraham to go from here to there, from Ur to Canaan. But Haran was along the way. We have no idea why they stopped in Haran. We're not told. We don't know if someone got sick. We don't know if they were tired of traveling. We don't know if, you know, they found a good deal on TripAdvisor. We don't know if, you know, what's going on there. Um, we don't know if all of a sudden they got there and they realized, man, Heron's a pretty bustling city. And with our trade, we can do good. Let's, let's stop and let's just make a little bit of money for the rest of the trip. And they, whatever happened, they settled in Heron and they put down roots. Because when you see him pull up roots later, he's got a lot of people with him. He's got a lot of possessions with him. So they did a lot of business in Heron. We don't, we don't know why they stopped in Haran, but we do know this. It wasn't part of the original call. Haran represents falling short. Haran represents partial obedience. Haran represents not taking risks. They stopped moving forward in faith, and they, and they settled in Haran. Now, what we notice here is what it took to get Abraham out of Haran was his father died, and then God had to call him again. So here's the situation. Some of us have been trying to live faithfully for the Lord sometime in our life, or you were at some point, but then you settled. The journey became hard physically or hard emotionally, and you settled. Well, you started investing all of yourself into your own purposes and pursuits, and then you settled. Well, you started investing all of um, your, your energy and effort into something that was self-glorifying instead of God-glorifying, or you started making good money and it distracted you from kingdom purposes and you settled, or you met someone and you said, I want to spend the rest of my life with you, but instead of following God's design of marriage, you decided to live together and cohabitate. That's settling. If you, some of you got hurt by people and, and you decided instead of forgiving, you would settle for bitterness. There's, there's many, Heron takes many forms, but we all have them in our life. Hopefully, they're in our rearview mirror. 
But in a group this size, especially with people watching online, we know that some of us right now have put down roots and heron. We've settled. We've stopped taking risks. We're complacent. We're comfortable. And we're not moving forward in faith. I mean, this, this even happens to us spiritually. Like, just think about the narrative of the salvation of our souls. We all have a here. We're broken. We're lost. We're sinful. We rightfully deserve the wrath of a righteous God because we're rebels against him. And we have this here where we're self-reliant and sinful. And God has for us a there. He has for us um, a heaven to live in, a purpose to build God's kingdom here on earth until we see heaven come to earth and to live joyfully for the building of God's kingdom. This is the there that he has. And what happens is a lot of us get stuck in Heron. We start to seek God, and then we go, you know what? Going to church is enough. You settle. Having a Bible on a shelf in my house is enough. You settle. You know what? If I can just do enough good works. Like, we basically settle and fall short of going all the way in our faith. Most of us here have gone all the way. You took the risk. You went from here to there. You went all the way to the foot of the cross and said, I'm broken, I'm sinful, and I need the Lord. Come into my life. I can't do it without you. You got to go all the way. And some of us have fallen short. And that might be you today as you're here watching online that you're trusting in good works, you're trusting in sacraments, you're trusting in your, your mom and dad's faith, you're trusting in something, but you're not trusting in Christ alone for forgiveness of sins. You're stuck in a spiritual heron. But today you can get out of that heron and go all the way to the cross and say, Jesus, I believe. Come into my life. But whether it's salvation or whether it's growth, some of you, man, you checked a box at some point in your life, said, oh, I prayed a prayer, I'm good. No, you're not. If you, if you pray a prayer and then stop, you're inherent. Because God has you wanting to grow. We're supposed to grow spiritually. And we're supposed to start to not only be influenced and discipled, we're to turn around and become a discipler and start to disciple others. And we're missionaries and we go and tell others about our faith. And so it's never about praying some prayer, then you're done. Good, check that box. Let's go to church and never do anything else. Now, when you follow Christ, he's going to call you to risk, right? And he's going to call you to things you don't want to do. You know when the Lord's telling you, you go have that conversation, you're like, oh no, there we go. He's saying, forgive that person. You're like, Lord, I don't want to forgive that person. And Jesus says, I forgive you. So why don't you forgive that person? And on and on and on. The Lord is always calling us out of our herons. Out of heron to the there, to the Canaan that he has for us. But again, before God moved Abraham, he had to move in Abraham. So maybe right now as you're stuck in heron going, Chad, I hear you. And I, I, I want the there that God has for me, but I just feel stuck. A big prayer for you is like, God, move in me. God, move in me so you can move me forward in faith to what you've called me to. You know, uh, every quarter this year, we're going to have a recommended book to read. Just say, hey, as you're listening to the messages, as you're in your life groups and all these things, here's another book to supplement. Uh, this quarter's book is called Don't Waste Your Life. I love that title. Don't Waste Your Life is by John Piper. And in that book, he says this. He says, the Christian life is a call to risk. It is the will of God that we be uncertain about how life on this earth will turn out for us. And therefore, it's the will of the Lord that we take risk for the cause of God. I think that last line's huge. As we've been talking through this risk taker series, I hope you guys understand, we're not talking about risk for the sake of risk. We're talking about taking risk of obedience that will glorify God, that will be useful to the Lord for his causes. And so obedience uh, to Christ is risky. But here we are, ones who follow the one who has no boundaries, whose love has no boundaries, whose forgiveness has no boundaries, and yet what do we do in our life? We set up boundaries and we say we can't go past these. 
And God, here's, here's where my comfort zone is. And he's going, mm, I've built you for a different capacity than your little silly boundaries that you just built up. I'm calling you out of that to do more. What's God been calling you to do? What conversation has he been calling you to have that you've just been holding out? What relationship has, has he ca- uh, called you to mend that you've just been chickening out on? What work of God is he calling you to, but you're just you're nervous, you're scared? He's calling you out of heron. He's calling you out of your heron so that you can experience the Canaan he has for you. Something better than you can imagine. More useful than you could ever imagine. That's what God's called us to. You know, Jesus said this, Matthew 19.29, and it echoes the call to Abraham. He says, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Jesus is saying, when I call you to risk, whatever you're leaving behind to follow me is worth it. It's worth it because it has eternal value. Some of us just don't get that. Some of us just don't believe that. Now, uh, some of you might be thinking, well, how do I know when God's calling? Like, we keep talking about God calling or leading us. Like, how do I know? Just a reminder of some of the ways that we process God's calling in our life. A lot of times, God will put a burden on your heart. It'll be a, a burden for a, a lost people group or a burden for a lost neighbor or a burden for a lost family member. Or maybe uh, you find yourself drawn into trying to help a certain demographic in the, in the, in the culture community. You know, that, that God's putting a burden on your life. Or maybe you're feeling drawn into something through prayer. Or you, you, start to, you start to dream about that place on a regular basis. Or God continues to remind you in different ways about this situation. It's possible that God might be calling you or leading you down that road. Uh, strong impressions from the Holy Spirit, especially when you pray. That when you're praying, the Holy Spirit keeps taking your heart to that situation or that person or that scenario that you bathe in prayer. That, that, that's probably God's calling and leading in your life. Uh, you also need to make sure that you're looking and synthesizing the alignment and timing of opportunities. We know that God's a great coordinator, right? He opens and closes doors. And so as the open, as the open and closed doors happen in your life, process those through faith. Don't worry. If, if, you, if you know the Lord, he's with you. You don't have to be afraid. You just take those risks of faith. We also know that uh, everything that we do needs to be supported and driven by Scripture. God's not going to call you to something that violates the Word. God's not going to call you to something that violates the passage. You know, when we hear someone say, yeah, God wants me to divorce my spouse, I'm going, that's funny. The Bible says God hates divorce, so I don't think God's calling you to divorce your spouse. He's not going to call you to violate His Word. And so you have to make sure that what you feel like God's leading in you is actually supported by Scripture. It needs to be bathed in prayer. You need to feel God giving you that green light in your spirit. Sometimes the green light, quite honestly, because what we're talking about here is moving forward in faith even though it's not clear. Sometimes the green light is just the absence of a red light. Right? Sometimes it's like, Lord, I, I don't know. I've got two job opportunities. They both seem good. Well, if the Lord hasn't said one of them's bad in your spirit and there's no gut check, it's like, well, maybe the Lord says pick one. I'll bless you. I need one of them. And so you just have to bathe those things in prayer. You have to get counsel from other mature believers. Say, hey, here's my situation. Here's what I'm praying through. Would you pray with me? What do you, what do you sense and see? What do you see in the Word? Get other mature believers to get in on you. They can help um, bring clarity maybe to what God's bringing you. And just you have, to, you have to do all that. And while you're waiting for answers, when, when, when you feel like God might be calling you somewhere but you're uncertain, what do you do while you wait for answers? You don't sit passively. Be active. Be fruitful. Be faithful. Cultivate faithfulness while you wait upon the Lord as he's calling you and leading you. And so God wants you, just like Abraham, to move from a here to a there and not to settle in Haran. 
That's what God's calling us to do, to move forward in faith, even when the ultimate destination is not clear. To illustrate that, I want to tell a story about something one of the families in our church is going through. Uh, there's a family in our church named the Hopkins family, Mike and Kristen Hopkins. And uh, they've got four boys. Some of you might know the Hopkins. And um, they've been feeling now for several years, God moving in their heart to adopt a girl from Africa. And so uh, they are risk takers. They're stepping out going, you know, this is a little bit outside our box, but we feel God's calling us to it. So uh, they met Mariama back when she was five in 2012. And now Mariama is nine years old. She lives in Sierra Leone. Uh, Mariama's parents have died. She's in a children's home right now because both of her parents died of curable diseases they just couldn't get access to healthcare for. And so she's an orphan. And now she's nine years old. And the Hopkins want to bring her home. And so they've gone over several times to continue to build a relationship with Mariyama, and uh, they were over recently to try to get the final paperwork in motion. They're hoping to bring Mariyama home in the next few months, which would just be a joy for that family. Now, on the last trip, uh, they went over and they, they were able to take Mariyama to the city. Mariyama had never been to the city. She'd never seen the city. She's only known village rural life. And so she's in the city. She's seen things she's never seen before, right? Probably a lot more vehicles. She's seeing taller buildings. She sees this thing called a hotel. The hotel has this thing called a swimming pool. She's never seen a swimming pool in her life. And there's just this neat moment that I want to kind of tie in with what we're talking about here in a minute, where she's at this pool, and they thought, well, we're just going to go and dip our legs in the water. But instead, she wants to swim. She wants to learn how to swim. And so uh, let's look at a moment here where this is taking place. Love that moment. What I love about that is the Hopkins felt called by God to go from here to there. The journey was unclear. The timing, the provision, all this things unclear. They're just being risk takers moving forward in faith. And God's giving them a there with this precious girl that is going to be coming home to them soon. I think about Mariyama. We're, we're kind of like Mariyama in a sense. Here's this girl. She's living in an environment that's familiar and comfortable. Her routine is familiar and comfortable. And all of a sudden, and she doesn't realize this, but this is her father who wants to bring her home comes and says, will you come? You know, she could have said no. She could have said, no, I don't want to go with you. I'm, I'm happy here. She could, she could do that. But instead, Mary has been a risk taker saying, yes. I said, I do want to go. When he said, we want to take you to the city, she could have said no. But she said yes. And then, you know, she's experiencing a swimming pool and all those kinds of things. When she saw the swimming pool, she could have just put her foot in the water and said, okay, that's good enough. But she trusted her father enough to jump and experience something that was new and glorious. Wait till that girl gets on an airplane. Wait till that girl lands here, and if it's still winter. Wait till she's taken to the home of the Hopkins and becomes a Hopkins. And has a room and has four brothers who will beat up her future boyfriends and, and, and all these things. She could stay here. She could stay here. She could have stayed at the hotel. The hotel could have been Heron. Say, no, this is, this is good enough. This is good enough. No, she's willing to go all the way to the there that God has for her. Guys, that's what God wants to do for us. Some of us are like, you know what? We're good here. No, God has something 
more. He wants to use you more. Take the risk. Some of us get to the hotel. We're like, okay, this is good enough. This is all new. This is exciting. It's a little bit out of my box. I'm good now. And God's going, this is good. Just you wait to this. Guys, the only way that's going to happen is if we continue as followers of Christ to be risk takers, faithfully moving forward in obedience and in trust of our God. Man, that's what the Lord has called us to. So I ask you again, What's God calling you to move to? What, what move do you need to make today? Some of you is from moving from being lost and broken and, and snared by your sin to faith in Christ. For some of you, it's, it's, you need to move from spiritual immaturity and inactivity to, to, to moving on to closer to spiritual maturity and being used for the Lord. Some of you, it's like, man, you, you've been in isolation. You need to move to community. Get in a life group. Some of you, um, you're, you're willing to spend a couple thousand dollars on a plane ticket and travel across the world to share your faith with someone. Do that, but you're not willing to go across the street for free and knock on a door and just get to know your neighbor. Like, like, what's God calling you to do? God wants you to move. How are you going to move today? Because they're there that God has for you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the reminder, God, of just uh, <laughs> the fact that you don't let us get complacent. You don't let us settle. You don't let us get comfortable. You keep calling us to obedience. You keep calling us to faith. And you keep calling us to move forward even when it's not clear. Lord, thank you for the example of Abraham, a man who obeyed when Really, the outcome was not certain, Lord. He just believed in you. He believed in your word. God, help us to be like Abraham in that sense, to believe in you, to believe in your word, to follow, Lord God, to see what you have waiting for us as we step out in faith. Lord, we know that some of those situations will hurt. Some of those situations will scare us. But Lord, we also know that some of those situations will bear great fruit for you. God, help us to be more bold spiritually, to take risks spiritually, Lord, to grow in how we pray risky prayers, to, to go public with our love for you through baptism and all the other things that feel a little bit scary at times. Lord, help us to be relational risk takers, Lord, that we start to build relationships with people very different than us. Start to build relationships and mend relationships with people who've hurt us or we've hurt. God, help us be conversational risk takers that we'll be the ones that ask those next level questions. Be willing to have uh, to break the boundaries and have conversations with our neighbors, our coworkers, and the people you bring into our three-foot circle all through life every day. God, help us to be financial risk takers. Lord, that we won't hold back and be reserved, Lord, but that we'll give out of our abundance and we'll give out of faith. Lord, thank you for the gifts that are even helping bring Maryama home, Lord. God, you're so good to us. Help us take risks for you. In Jesus' name, we all sit together.